the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with David Dawson and Johnny Aber. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday indeed. The week is flying by. Mm-hmm. The happy wife Wednesday. and I are already making plans for the Thanksgiving menu. How weird is that? Ooh, it's close. Yes. It's, it's really, really close. close. That's right. It's got here really all Back yeah. next thing you know, we'll say, Christmas will be close. Oh, the year is kind of rushing to an end. It is. <laughs> Grateful, too, for some rain, right? Oh, uh, it's been yes. fantastic. Yeah, we needed this bad. Likes that. Mm-hmm. So, Speaking of gratitude, we are grateful today for a great uh, saint we're honoring today, uh, St. Albert the Great. I mean, who else could put on their resume? I taught Thomas Aquinas. I, you so know, I, <laughs> <laughs> he taught Thomas Aquinas. Gosh. Wow. That's amazing. Great for so many things. So let's call on him as we get our day started in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of truth, you endowed our brother St. Albert the Great with the gift of combining human wisdom with divine faith. May the pursuit of all human knowledge lead to a greater knowledge and love of you. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Albert Magnus, pray pray for for us. us. Pray for us. We will learn more about St. Albert later on in today's show during our Saint of the Day, but we are starting off with Johnny's Gospel Reflection at 7 after. Stay tuned for that. In 18 minutes, Steve Ray joins us. He is a Catholic convert and pilgrimage leader, and when he joins us, he talks about the really deep questions and then he answers them and then we wish we had him on for another two hours yeah, exactly. so he, today <laughs> you're right today he's going to talk or answer really answer the question is the mass really a sacrifice right. so he's going to delve into that uh, and then we'll find the answer <laughs> and 30 well we already know the answer but for many of us we're we're wondering so yeah we'll but, he, but he'll give it, about that he'll give you an example that's something you never thought of you know he always yeah. goes exactly. in that direction and from a Protestant yes. background. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. In 35 minutes, Sister Mary Lou Specka joins us. She is the executive director of Hotel Hope in New Orleans, and she's going to be updating us on how Hotel Hope is doing over there in the Crescent City and some updates, volunteer opportunities, and ways to give back to those in need that are staying over at Hotel Hope. And in 48 minutes, Dr. David Whitten joins us. He's a professor of theology over at Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University in Baton Rouge, also known as FranU. And we are continuing our Catholic 101 segment. And today we are talking about the Holy Trinity. So 
All Things Holy Trinity. What does it Buckle mean? Buckle up for that one. What is yeah. it? And, and I guarantee you're going to learn something you didn't know about the Holy Trinity. Yeah, so That's right. looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, Dave, Johnny, it is the giving season. And Advanced Giving for I Give Catholic is happening right now through November 27th. So mm-hmm. I Give Catholic is a 24-hour online day of giving to Catholic nonprofits in the area. Uh, really, now it's a national campaign. It used to be a local campaign. Now it's national. Mm-hmm. But yeah, search Catholic Community Media or Catholic Community Radio. It, it all comes up. Yep. And take a look at our needs and uh, donate to us. You can donate right now, and your credit card won't be charged until the actual giving day. That's what it, the benefits of advanced giving. Nice. It's happening right now. So yes. Yes, it's a great opportunity. Stay tuned. We have your gospel and reflection coming up right after the break. It is five past the hour on Wake Up. Good morning. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 17. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Hey, guys, you know, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, is this not the perfect event to reflect on? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, that's true. One came back. What came, yeah, one came back. Gratitude. Yeah. It's all the difference in the world. I mean, healing is wonderful. Eternal life, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. that one, right? <laughs> you know, and, and so as we're waiting, you know, for Thanksgiving, that here, here we have these 10 lepers and they're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting to meet him on the road into their village. They're even flagging him down and begging for his mercy. And so, you know, the way they, they call out to him is just a beautiful posture for prayer, if you think about it. For us, too. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. That's beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. not just me, us, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and not to heal me, heal me, not that. No, have pity on me. So they're ready for anything. What can you, whatever you can do. Uh, so, and, and in a way, this is really the state of the entire human race that Jesus came to redeem, if you think about that. kind of. Because uh, if you a little quick background, you may remember at that time, you know, to be a leper meant that you were cut off from your family, from your church. Right. You really were like dead man walking, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The only way was you, if you could be clean, cleansed of this and you could not clean yourself was to go through a process, to go through the priest, to go through a ritual. And Jesus knew that, that he's all about returning us to our families, to our loved ones, to our role in life that we're called to, embracing that. Johnny, I just so, recently learned that, as a matter of fact. When when Christ said, go show yourself to the priest, that was the final proof you needed? Is that right? To say, okay, I, I'm no longer yes. a leper? I mean, I mean, really, how often did that happen? I mean, but, but, but still, that was the final mm-hmm. approval? Is, is that what that meant? 
That's right. Uh, okay. And that you had to go through that so that you could rejoin in the synagogue and, and pray and worship with your okay. family and friends. Okay, I see. Wow. Okay, so he would be yeah. the final word to let you back in the synagogue. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. and our Lord's doing yeah. that for for him and for us, you know. Right. So, the, the, you know, the really uh, powerful part of this is that how they were cleansed on the way. And, and I really can kind of relate to that in your own spiritual journey, can't you? You know, we're taught as Catholics that we have to put our faith into action, but we often don't know what that's going to look like. All we're asked to do is to take one step at a time, put one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. head toward the church, head toward the confessional, trust in the master, one yes at a time. Yeah. But here's all the difference, right, guys, is the gratitude. The one comes back. Um, and this gratitude and awe is really the wings that we need to give our worship most the most greatest perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the posture that we have. Um, and, and I love these final words, and we hope we will hear this. Stand up and go. Our Lord calls us that our faith has healed us. And, and, they, and that kind of tells us that any dignity that this leper had or that we have comes from only from the fact that God has saved us. And the only way for us, then the only call we have is to stand up, hold our heads up high as Christians and proclaim the Savior is here. He's here among us. He heals. He saves. He's coming to you just as he came to me. And we're all equal then when it comes to that need. Um, uh, there's an anonymous saying. I, was, I saw, saw this one last night. I really like this one. It goes this way. Some complain that God put thorns on roses. Mm-hmm. Others give thanks that God put roses thorns. among thorns. Yes. Yeah, you heard that one before? No, yeah. I like that, though. <laughs> That is very good. I'm sorry, I was catching on as you were saying it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I you think get that, it, that's kinda. yeah. It's it's the it's the uh, attitude of gratitude, right? It 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 all depends attitude. on where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Dave, you're gonna like this one. I was I was looking at the Catholic Almanac on this day in history, uh, November 15th, and 1917 was the year a young, red-haired, blue-eyed Irish Catholic woman. There you <laughs> a go, foreigner. Hmm? Okay, so this actually happened. She was on this day in, in history, a prisoner in Washington D.C., undergoing a night that has been called her quote night of terror unquote. Hmm. What was her crime? Well, first her name. Her name was Lucy Burns. Okay. Her crime was that she was marching for women's rights and she had been arrested uh, for marching. Uh, but again, at that time, she was actually beaten by the prison guards, handcuffed with her hands above her head, stripped and left there all night long. And for the next three days, she was so exhausted, they had to force feed her through a tube. Goodness. Now, the other women prisoners watched all this happening, and this became like the momentum, the outcry for everyone to, to join this cause, to treat her in dignity, to let her, to let all of them stand up and for their dignity. Mm. So the hunger strike started, and this all led to, of course, women getting the right to vote in 1920. Mm. But, you know, the, the cool thing about the story also is that it didn't end there. Uh, after this, Lucy Burns spent then the rest of her life living out her Catholic faith much more powerfully. She ended up raising an orphaned niece and assisting the church in a whole bunch of ministries. And so the Lord gave her this dignity. She stood up when the Lord called her and she went into service uh, with the role and the gifts that she had been given. Wow. So anyway, it's a, it's a powerful um, reminder for us today about gratitude. There's, there's a final uh, anonymous mm-hmm. saying. You might like this one, too. I, I like this one. It says, uh, the saying goes this way, unexpressed gratitude is like winking at someone in the dark. 
<laughs> you know how you you know how you feel about them, but they don't. They don't know <laughs> so. how you feel about that. I mean, and isn't, that, that? isn't that true, Johnny? That you, you you had nine guys who were just so fired up about being cleansed, they just moved on, and that's what we have a tendency to do, right? We just we're like, up, oh, everything is great now. I don't need God. I'm gonna move on, right? Except for that, except for that one guy who who got it. Short memory, yeah. yeah. I mean, the healing is great, but eternal healing, ah, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's really why why we're here, why I came. So, you know, maybe today, just a little more closer to home. Uh, mm-hmm. How about looking within our own families, our own friends, our situation, and just remember today to give thanks, yes, and gratitude for them being a light in your life. Amen. Right. Good stuff. Well, stay with us because you're not going to want to miss Steve Ray. No, we're going to talk about the question, is the mass really a sacrifice? I thought Jesus did all that already. Why do we need to go to sacrifice? (laughs) It's quarter past the hour now. You've turned your heart to the truth. To the truth. Stay with us. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 15th. Today, we celebrate Saint Albert the Great. Today's saint taught Thomas Aquinas and established the intellectual climate in which Aquinas developed his synthesis of Greek wisdom and Christian theology. But Albert the Great stands on his own as a 13th century Dominican who was himself a curious, honest, and diligent scholar. Born in 1206, Albert was the eldest son of a wealthy and powerful German family. Educated in the liberal arts, he entered the Dominican novitiate despite fierce family opposition. While teaching at Paris and Cologne, serving as Dominican provincial and even as a bishop, Albert produced a 38-volume work covering a wide variety of topics. These included natural science, logic, rhetoric, mathematics, astronomy, ethics, economics, politics, and metaphysics. His compendium of all knowledge gathered up to the time took him 20 years to complete. That accomplishment earned him the title The Great and a lesser-known title The Universal Doctor. Towards the end of his life, Albert began showing signs of dementia, probably what would be diagnosed today as Alzheimer's disease. He died in 1280. At his 1931 canonization, he was also named a doctor of the church and the patron of scientists and philosophers. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Ah, welcome back. It's so good to give you the gospel every day, our Lord, to speak across these airwaves. Johnny, Dave, and Gabby here with you this morning. Well, you know, as Catholics, we are taught that the source and summit of our of our faith is when we gather to break the bread. Hadn't changed in 2,000 years. Hmm. We got a lot of names for this, but one of the names that stands out is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Hmm. And there's the issue. Some Non-Catholics would say that word, sacrifice. Jesus did all that. Why are you guys redoing this again? <laughs> Sounds archaic, morbid. Didn't Jesus die? Anyway, let's uh, let's bring in Steve Ray. You know him. You love him. I definitely do. <laughs> uh, good morning, Steve. Good to have you with us this morning. Good morning, all of you down there. We're glad to, I'm glad to be joining you this morning up here in cold Michigan. Well, we're we're well, actually cold here. We're down into the 50s. Do do I want to know what the temperature no. is up there in Michigan? <laughs> the low 30s. Oh, just, uh, no, no. frost on everything this morning. Ay, ay, ay. Wow. Okay. Wow, wow. We are good. <laughs> yeah, we're happy. Well, we'll <laughs> we're, we're thankful. Yes. Definitely. So, by a nice warm fire. 
Well, Steve, I know you with your background, you, you're a convert. Let's let's can, let's uh, get into this question. Uh, is the mass really a sacrifice? What do we mean by that? And what do we say to those who challenge it? Well, when I was an evangelical Protestant, of course, I would say that what Catholics um, celebrate on Sunday morning and the way they do it was idolatrous. It was idolatry. You are worshiping a piece of bread, and we're supposed to worship the living God in heaven, and to worship anything other than that, other than him, is worshiping an idol. And we used to, it sounds terrible, but we used to call the Eucharist when we were Protestants a cookie Christ, that Catholics worshipped a cookie Christ. So, you know, then for me to come all the way from there to understanding now that it's a real presence of Christ, and it's no longer bread and wine, it looks like it, smells like it, tastes like it, but our senses deceive us. Just like they do all the time. Mm. By the way, I give a I give two hour talk on what we're trying to do now in about eight minutes. So this <laughs> is a, a difficult thing, you know. And uh, but the when it says a holy sacrifice of the mass, all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament that you had bulls that had to be brought and Passover lambs and all of those sacrifices. There's lots of them. They all culminated into one sacrifice of Christ. The rabbis taught, and you can look this up. Look up. Toda sacrifice. Just Google it. Okay. Toda sacrifice. T O D A. The Jewish rabbis taught, even from the time of the early years, that if that when the Messiah comes, all the other sacrifices of Moses, all the offerings will be done away with. There will only be one sacrifice left, and it will be called the Toda sacrifice. Toda mm. is Thanksgiving in Hebrew. Eucharist is Thanksgiving in Greek. Mm. So, the, I, so the whole thought was that all of the sacrifices will be done away with and all culminated into one sacrifice, which will be called the Eucharistia. Well, guess what we, ser- what we celebrate now is that mm. one. And so it's a sacrifice in the sense that Jesus is pre- representing himself. So in other words, people, I, I used to say four times in the Bible it says that Jesus was sacrificed once and for all for our sins. So why do you Catholics keep offering him over and over and over and over again on your altars? And what I realized when I became Catholic and when I went started studying all this is that God is not stuck in space and time. We're kind of like in the bubble of space and time. He's outside of that bubble. So God came into that bubble 2,000 years ago, in one place and at one time, and he died on the cross for our sins. So he did die once and for all, but in space and time. Mm. Then he went boop, back out of the bubble into eternity again. And that is an eternal event to God. God doesn't have time. And it's, a, it's a, before his throne, even read Revelation chapter 5, when you look into the future, it says that they're standing... Is in front of God's throne is a lamb standing, yet though slain. Mm. What is that? That's yeah. the Passover lamb with his throat slit. And that is the sacrifice mm. of Christ. When God wakes up in the morning, so to speak, and has his first cup of coffee, what does he see? <laughs> he sees the sacrifice of Christ on an altar in front of his throne. That's what we see when we go into a Catholic church, the crucifix. That's why we have it, because we want to see the same thing in the morning that God sees in heaven. <clears throat> so nice. this, the way I view the sacrifice of the Mass is that eternal sacrifice is always before the throne of God, and at the hands of the priest, every day he represents that sacrifice to us. 
it comes slamming right back down into space and time on that altar. Why? Because it's our medicine of immortality and our means of eternal life. It's his giving himself to us. It's not a different sacrifice. It's not a new sacrifice. It's the one eternal sacrifice that is being made present to us again. It is the sacrifice that is being represented to us every day. For example, this morning, my wife and I watched the sun come up. It's not a new sun that came up today. That's true. As the sun is going yeah. to die tonight, and yes. then a new sun comes up in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's the one sun. It represents itself. It's not another sun every day, and mm. it's not another sacrifice of Christ. It is the one sacrifice. And the sun, as you and rises every day, it's the one eternal, so to speak, sun that's always there, because we would die without it. We need the light of the sun. And the S-O-N Son also represents himself in that sacrifice every day to us. Not another sacrifice, it's the one eternal sacrifice, and that is actually a sacrifice on the altar. The word altar comes from a Hebrew word that means to slaughter. Mm. So Mm. an altar is a place where things are slaughtered. It is a sacrifice. It is that one eternal sacrifice made present again for us. And when I was a Baptist, I used to sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And But now I ask the Baptist, where's the blood? The blood washed off the cross and went down into the Dead Sea. But we Catholics, we still have the blood every day. Mm, wow. I knew it. Beautiful I knew it. Space. Steve does yeah. it every time. He takes us in a direction <laughs> yeah. and gives us an example of something I never thought of, like the sun rising. Yes. I also there learned God go. has coffee every morning. I mean, the, that, that's pretty profound. That. Yes. Good stuff. <laughs> And, you know, Steve, uh, it's just so interesting this this talk this morning because uh, we're going to be covering tonight the early church fathers. And when you read stuff as early as the Didache, Clement, we're talking about first century, second century. The the idea that the breaking of the bread was a sacrifice and a pure sacrifice that was the what the church has believed since the beginning, right? I mean, this is not something we've yes, invented, that, correct? The Didache was written in the first century. And it's a, a a rule for how to celebrate on Sunday morning. It gives kind of a, a liturgy of, of what to do. And it says in one paragraph, it refers to the Eucharist three times as a sacrifice. It says, make sure that you confess your sins so that your sacrifice is not profaned. For this is the great sacrifice which was promised to us. Malachi 1.11, by the way, is the last uh, prophet of the Old Testament. And he prophesied that this would be the the uh, sacrifice that would be celebrated among the Gentiles from east to west, meaning Mm. all over the face of the earth. And that's the one sacrifice, and that is the sacrifice of Christ. And the Eucharist and and the the cross cannot be separated. They're one and the same. So when we celebrate the Eucharist, we are representing, we are experiencing again the actual crucifixion of Jesus. Ignatius of Antioch, another first century bishop, first century, no New Testament, he he knew what he knew from hearing the apostles still ringing in his ears, beware of the heretics who refuse to partake of the Eucharist because they deny that it's the very same flesh and blood of Jesus that hung on the cross. Wow. And you hear Justin Martyr say the same thing. It goes echoing through the ages. May not totally yeah. grasp it or, or understand it, but uh, but it doesn't make it all any the less. Well, I think they true. Under- I think they understood and grasped it better than a lot of people do today. Yes, <laughs> true. That's right. Steve, we've got a couple minutes left. I want to ask you this: What about us bringing our? What do we bring to this sacrifice? I guess is the question. What should Everything. we bring, Steve? When you, when we go to mass and that those gifts go up, it's 
what we have done with our hands. We, we grow grapes, we grow grain, we grind them up, we make them into something manufactured by our hands. It represents our gifts that we bring to God. And the way it should be viewed is that we are giving him ourselves, everything. Mm. So when, the, when those gifts are going up, we should be saying, Lord, that's me. That's yes. everything that I have. That's myself, my family, my career, my health, everything I'm bringing up, and I'm going to place it on that altar. And then you're going to take it by your miraculous power, and you're going to turn it into Christ and give it back to me. I remember mm-hmm. when our, my daughter went off to college the first time. It was very hard for us. She was our first up born, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember she went to Steubenville, and we went to Mass. And the thing that helped me, I said, Lord, that's my daughter. I'm giving her to you. Oh, She's wow. going up on the altar. Mm-hmm. She's wow. yours now. Goodness. And wow. I want you to... And that was the way that we kind of released her, you know, gave her to the yeah. Lord. I said, now she's, she's not living yeah. in our home anymore. She's not going to be our little girl anymore the same way. So I she's know. up on the altar now, Lord. She's all yours. Uh, well, Stephen, uh, how, how can we keep up with you, Stephen? And I think this is perfect for Thanksgiving right around the corner, Eucharist, uh, the, the Thanksgiving. But how do we keep up with you, Stephen, especially with what's going Catholic on in, over there? CatholicConvert.com. We still have pilgrimages going. We've added a couple because Israel slowed down now, yeah. but we have one going to yeah. Lords and Fatima. We have oh, another nice. one going to Ireland. Oh, we've got one going to the Shrines wow. of Wisconsin and to St. Augustine, Florida. we got a St. Paul cruise going all through Turkey and Greece. So we got Whoa. a lot of stuff going on. Golly. CatholicConvert.com. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, get back to your coffee You're and welcome. your beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Talk to you guys next month. <laughs> All right. You bet. Oh, man, good stuff. Okay, up next, we're going to be joined by Mary, Mary Lou Specka, who's the director of Hotel Hope in New Orleans. We'll have an update there. It is now half past the hour. On Wake Up, you have tuned your heart to the truth. Be right Tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Abair and David Dawson, and we're so glad you are joining us today. We are talking to Sister Mary Lou Specka. She is the executive director of Hotel Hope in New Orleans, which is a women and children's shelter right there in Central City. Good morning, Sister Mary Lou. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great and looking forward to getting an update from you. I know that Peter Finney of the Clarion Herald in the Archdiocese of New Orleans wrote a wonderful piece about an addition you guys have put in Hotel Hope. Right. Thank you so much for having us. And that article was great. Um, yes, we um, opened up Hope Bistro, which is um, a renovation of the cafe, uh, well, it was a bar when we first oh, uh, bought the hotel, so we thought we couldn't have a bar there <sighs> with um, our present uh, population, so we turned it into a um, just a place where the moms would eat, but we knew we had a vision of trying to have uh, a commercial kitchen, and then we took three of the rooms and made it kind of a dining room, so we're calling it Hope Bistro. Mm where um, it really is a place where um, 
any group can come and cook uh, and serve and eat with our guests. We're still trying to, we had the opening, but we're still trying to work out some uh, little, um, you know, things that will help us make it more smooth. But uh, it's mm -hmm. a beautiful space funded by the Jennifer and John Besh Foundation. And we had a wonderful grand opening. And it's just a place where um, the kids can come um, when we're not eating. There's a little play space. The moms have some empowerment sessions. It's really the only place that we have that's kind of a general space mm. where we can really meet together uh, in one mm -hmm. room. It's a beautiful, bright, um, lovely uh, room and Space where we really believe that families can sit around the table together and really break bread and just be in a place where um, things can happen as a family. Oh, so it's like a multi-use yeah. facility then. In other words, you're, you're, you're dining there, but can also be used for other purposes. Right. Wonderful. It's kind of a multi-purpose room. Yeah. Um, the, the kitchen mm -hmm. is a full commercial kitchen. Great. And it's um, it's just so wonderful, actually. Nice. And um, in, uh, I was cooking yesterday in there, and it's really easy to use and to, um, to be able to uh, have volunteer groups. You know, most of our, all of our meals come when people sign up through our website, mm -hmm. um, and they can sign up. As a group, we have um, a group coming for Thanksgiving um, this Sunday. That's mm -hmm. the Rotary group is coming to provide a meal for our for our families. And um, every day of the year, most most every day that we have somebody sign up uh, from churches, from a lot of different organizations that really help feed our families. Mm. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. way to. Um, really get involved. A lot of people like to cook. Yeah. People like to, sure. you know. Yeah. Sure, um, I do. Yeah. How, how many people <laughs> right, are you... Uh, you could sign up. <laughs> how many people are you are, are you cooking for at a time? Um, right. So usually it's between... Um, so most of our... We have nine moms right now. So we have between nine and 12 moms. Okay. But the... Mm. Um, then we have, I think we have about 18 children. Okay. Now, some of them are little. You know, we have a, a, a few toddlers and um, babies right now. So um, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a big amount. Okay. Because, but we also have teenagers. I think yeah. we have. <laughs> That'll um, make up for it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> we have, I think we have six <laughs> or seven teenagers. Um, some mm. of them boys, and they eat more than their moms. Yes, they sometimes. do. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So you want to round it off Sister. to like forty people, then I guess, or forty yeah, or fifty, usually. somewhere in that range. Between, okay. Yeah, between twenty-five and thirty that we ask. Oh. usually people to cook for. So okay. it's not too big of a, um, uh, you know, a commitment. But yeah. um, now, in people, even during the pandemic, people really helped us feed. So we, um, we've had this model since we opened at Hotel Hope MLK, and it's really just been something that the community yeah. has really, really um, joined in on. Wonderful. 
I love it. Well, sister, this time of year, people love to give back and it's a season of giving. What is Hotel Hope doing as far as Thanksgiving and as we approach Advent and Christmas? How can our listeners give back? What are the needs that you're looking for? Sure. So um, we're getting ready for um, our campaigns, um, our end of year appeal, and um, also on Giving Tuesday, which is... um, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, something that came out of right here in New Orleans from um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and um, I Give Catholic um, on Giving Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So that's the way we do that here in New Orleans. And so on Tuesday um, after Thanksgiving on November 28th, there's a way that you can participate in the online giving we're really excited about that, and we're really excited about the ways that people can help us. Um, we will mm-hmm. have um, monetary donations, of course, always help us, but we have Christmas lists of toys and other supplies. It's a way that helps us for the rest of the year um, that people really um, do supply drives. We just got um, a whole thing of um, just cleaning supplies and um, mops and buckets and things like that that really help us help the moms as they move out, but then also help us continue to have the supplies and help us during the year to um, provide the necessary things to keep the, the um, hotel running. Mm-hmm. Sister, are the lists on your website, especially the gifts for the kids, because that is such a special time uh, for them to not not miss out on and realize uh, that you know they are they are loved and appreciated, and, and it's it can still be a happy time amidst the uh, you know stress and and struggle at times. Right, Christmas for us um, is wonderful, and believe me, the kids. Um, yes, we have it. We have our um, wish list on our website. I'm not sure they necessarily um, have the toys on there, but if you're interested, you can um, go to our website and um, find my um, email and send me an email. And you're interested, we'll send you some things. Um, we all we have a group bringing coats, but we always need pajamas and socks. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. different things. What we'd like to do is to get um, um, the kids' Christmas pajamas. So that's always something. Mm -hmm. But we have a list. If you have an organization that um, uh, wants to get together or even just an individual, please contact us either on the phone, and you can get our number on the website, hotelhope.org, or you can email me, and it's a way that you can come and... um, give back and um you know we're we we can use your help too um by volunteering yeah Uh, we have we have volunteers at the front desk um 12 hours a day we need help with storage so there's a lot of ways you can get involved by um in in addition to um donating or um buying items for our children and our moms yeah 
Amazing. Sister Mary Lou Specka, Executive Director of Hotel Hope in New Orleans. You can go to hotelhope.org to find out more information on how you can help those at the shelter out. Thank you so much, Sister Mary Lou, for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Gabby. You have a great day. You too. She does wonderful work over in New Orleans, so definitely go and read a little bit more about Hotel Hope. Dr. David Whitten joins us. When we return from the break, we're talking about the Holy Trinity. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. Forty-eight past the hour. You tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Johnny A. Bear and Gabby Smith. And right now, Dr. David Whitten joins us. He's the professor of theology and Franciscan missionaries of Our Lady University. We call it FranU in Baton Rouge. And in eight minutes' time, he's going to explain everything <laughs> we need to know about the Holy <laughs> Trinity. No, no pressure, doctor. <laughs> no pressure. I, you know, I, I take a whole semester to teach a course on this and still don't get everything done. And St. Augustine wrote, wrote 400 pages on this, and at the end he's like, and I still don't entirely know exactly what this is. So um, eight minutes should be plenty for me. Okay, good. Uh, good. So let's, I guess, get right down to it, then, right. shall we? Sure. Um, so the, the idea that, that God is a trinity is a uniquely Christian teaching. So Christians are monotheists, right? We believe that there's one God, the God that's revealed um, to Moses, right? The I am mm-hmm. uh, God, uh, just one God. So Christians consider themselves to be monotheists. Mm-hmm. But where they differ, for instance, from other monotheists, uh, we would think like Jewish and, and our Muslim friends, um, is that they're Trinitarian monotheists. That is, Christians believe that there's one God, but that one God uh, exists as three persons. Okay. Um, now, that doesn't mean there's three gods. That's the first thing people are like, oh, hold on, how can you, three doesn't equal one. Right. Um, but there's just one God. Uh, there's this, they, the three persons share this divine unity. They all are entirely God, so there's no parts to God. It's not like Jesus or the Son is one-third of God and mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is one-third of God. No, 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 they're all holy God. Uh, completely God in, in everything they do and exist. Um, but the reason we, we think about this is because God has revealed himself through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit as this trinity. So uh, the theologian Karl Rahner talks about this as kind of a mystery of salvation. Right? So you go through the Old Testament uh, and you have intimations uh, that there's perhaps more to God than what people were originally thinking. But then Jesus shows up. Uh, as the incarnate Son, mm-hmm. and we begin to worship Him. Well, you can only worship God, right? And right. only God can do the kind of things that, that Jesus did, both the miracles, the moral teachings, the giving of the law, uh, the identity he, he creates between Himself and, and uh, the Father. Um, and then, you know, He, he dies, mm-hmm. uh, He's crucified and, and resurrected, uh, and in that, we get this further revelation of, of His full divinity, and then, of course, Pentecost comes, right? Right. Uh, and the Holy Spirit uh, reveals uh, himself in that way, as Jesus promised. And so, you know, Christians have this really interesting sort of problem. Like, yeah. we believe that there's God the Father, but we also worship the Son, and we worship the Spirit. And, mm-hmm. well, how do you make that work? What does that look like? Uh, and so, uh, as Christians reflected on this experience of, of God revealed this way, uh, they came to realize that what God had revealed about himself is that there's these three divine persons uh, who 
uh, are all God. Right. And yet okay. there's only one God. We're, we're not, uh, you know, we don't worship, we're not tritheists, we're, we're monotheists. So when he says, uh, I will go up into heaven and then I will send the advocate, I mean, we can't help but, it's tough to wrap your head around that because we see that as two different things, right? Right. So, um, right, so that's the question of the divine mission. So okay. uh, the idea there is that the, the, the Father sends the Son, uh, and he also sends the Spirit, okay. or we might say that the Father and the Son actually send the Spirit, uh, as we, we see in, in Pentecost. So that's actually, um, so that, that's a, a question then, like, well, what, you know, are they, in what ways are they different, or more importantly, if there's a mission, is there some form of subordination, which is also something Christians don't want uh, to, to say, right, that somehow the, the Son of the Spirit are subordinate. And you see the early Church Fathers uh, think through what that looks like uh, and realize that you don't necessarily have to be subordinate to somebody to be sent uh, on a mission, right? Uh, my wife okay. sends me on missions to the store all the time, but right. I don't think of myself yeah. as, as <laughs> subordinate to her. Well, I right, do. Right, I yeah. do when I go to the yeah. store, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Doctor Wynn, If if this was something, well, two things that you've said is really about jump out. This is not something we would have figured out on our own. You talk about God had to reveal it, and then if we totally understood right. it, I guess it, we wouldn't be God, right? I mean, talk about that uh, aspect. Right. Of, so. Yeah. The, you know, so there's two ways that people handle this. Um, some people say, well, it's a, it's a mystery, so there's, and, you know, I can't do anything about it, and so I'm just not going to talk about it. I heard a deacon, not one of the deacons in our diocese, uh, start off a Trinity Sunday homily that way. This is in Florida, so, um, and, uh, you know, I just about pulled out what little hair I have left. Um, <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I heard Dave that you guys made a crack about me in a comb on Monday. <laughs> oh yeah, that um, wouldn't be. That wouldn't be. That was that was Damien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? But uh, yeah, word <laughs> travels fast in the Catholic circle. Um, so you don't want to just like throw up your. So a mystery isn't so much a puzzle to be solved; it's a relationship to be entered into. Um, and so you know, the the other thing you're right is you know we could say, well, gosh, you know. Um, I, I've got this understood. Uh, and, of course, that's not going to be the case either. Right. God's always going to exceed our ability to um, to think about God. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't increase, you know, you don't have to have comprehensive knowledge of God in order to increase your knowledge in God. You can start from a little and, and continue to grow. That's sort of uh, where I am. That's why I enjoy teaching that course, because every time I teach it, I learn more about God. Um, so there's those two extremes, right? Oh, I, I know it, or, hey, I can't know it. Uh, but in between is the, hey, here's a journey into understanding and thinking more about God that I can enter into. Uh, and that's a journey worth entering into. So Yeah, our, and, and it also ahead, is relational, yeah, in the sense that uh, he's a community of overflowing right. love. And as a family, we experience that from a human standpoint. True. And so there is this connection there mm -hmm. that, ah, oh, I, I get that part of it at least, but that's uh, that makes some sense, I guess, right? right? Well, to say then that humans are made in the image and likeness of God, and if in the heart of God's own life is a series of relationships, right, uh, suggests that we're actually um, being made in His image and likeness are made for relationship primarily with God, uh, but then with, with others through that, right, to, to love God with our whole uh, heart, soul, and mind. And then at the same time, then to love others, so that that relationship is baked into who we are. Yeah. 
We're hardwired that way. So, so we're hardwired what, that way. What would you recommend then? Uh, a reading that we would understand uh, that would help us yeah. uh, along with the with the Trinity, uh, the Holy Spirit. I tell you, a, a wonderful book that I, I assign every semester that I teach this that everybody loves. It's a book called Contemplating the Trinity: okay. The Path to the Abundant Christian Life. It's by Ranario Mesa. I don't know if you know his name, but he's mm-hmm. a, a preacher to the papal household. Okay. There are actually a series of seven homilies that he gave to Pope John Paul II on the Trinity. Um, and uh, John Paul liked them so much, he said, you need to get these published. So it's called Contemplating the Trinity, the Path to the Abundant Life. They're okay. very approachable. One of the things that when I talk to students about them, I'm like, here's some things that you can't say about God, essentially Christian heresies. But if you don't say those, there's this wide avenue of things that you can say All right. about God. And Cancel and Mesa gives you a really wonderful example of seven positive homilies that explain the importance of the Trinity uh, for, for our lives. Fantastic. So I, I, they're very right. approachable. Uh, I think they're really fantastic. Uh, everybody who reads them really loves them, and so I, I couldn't recommend them very um, good. All more right. than that. Well, Dr. Whitten, we're going to have you back on real soon. Maybe a little lighter topic, who knows? But we, we appreciate you joining us once again. All right, always a pleasure. Good to all see you right. guys. Yes, indeed. Okay, y'all got all that? All right. We got it. Yeah. All right. Take it off. Great. Let's contemplate that. <laughs> well, let's go ahead with our morning offertory prayer. We can do this this morning. In all the right. name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular for those of the intentions of the Holy Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. We're talking about marriage, family life, and what it means to be pro-life in America. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake up is a production of Catholic Community Media.